what's going on, champions. It's the happiest but saddest time of the year. NFL conference championships, AFC championship game, NFC championship game. Your usual host, myself, Grayson Fisher, with me, the one and only Zach Watts. Episode 70, conference championships. Now, before we dive in and dissect and give you guys our intellectual greatness when it comes to the sport of football and probably every sport we talk about, I have a very random nothing to do with sports story I just have to bring up because it came into my noggin this morning, and it is quite literally one of the funniest stories I've ever had in my life. I want to say this was about a year. Also, also the reason – actually, I'm going to tell the story, and then I'm going to explain why it came into my head. <clears throat> about I want to say it was two years ago. I was hanging out with my friend Matt and, us, and our friend Casey, and I don't remember exactly what we were doing, but we, we went and did something. It's nighttime. We went, we went and did something. We're in the Carrollwood area in, in Tampa, Florida. We went and did something, and then we're driving back to Avila, which is like the neighborhood, uh, gated community neighborhood that Matt and Casey live in. And we're driving back, and it's late. It's probably like 11 p.m. It's, it's super dark outside. And the road to get to Avila, there's no lights, and it's really curvy. And there's no lights. The only light you can see is like if there's uh, the lights on the houses have like front lights or, or the driver's lights. And we're, I, I want to say we went bowling. I want to say that's what we did. Yeah, Matt's driving. I'm in the backseat. Casey's in the shotgun. And we're driving. And Matt's like, yo, did you guys just see that? Like, something just flew past my, my car. And I'm like, dude, like, it's probably like a bat. Like, it was probably like a bug. I was like, I think you're just, you're tripping out. It's, it's super dark. And Matt's very, in, like, intimate on it. He's like, he's like adamant on it. Excuse me. He's like, dude, no, no, dude, I'm telling you, like, Something just like grazed my windshield, like it just flew by, and I was like, "Well, there's nothing we can do about it now." Like, I don't know, I don't know what what you think's gonna happen. And then maybe like three seconds after I say this, we're going like, like I said, it's pitch black. We're going by like forty, forty-five. A huge, I'm talking about like maybe almost two feet tall owl just drops in front of Matt's car. He runs it over, he swerves off the side of the road, and he, he stops the car, and we're all just like, what the hell just happened? And it wasn't like, it wasn't like the owl was standing there, and Matt could have, like, avoided it and hit it. I'm telling you, this thing literally just dropped right in front of the car, just boom. <laughs> and, he, and it was big enough that it went like, dunk. And we're over there, and, and we all get out of the car, and Matt's, like, freaking out. He's like, dude, like my grandma's spirit animals and owl like like freaking out like tripping and it's a big fucking owl dude and it's like all white so i um it's big owl i look over at it and it's not fucking dead it's like laying in the street and it's like it's like and it's like flapping its wing and i look at matt and i go i go matt like i'm not i'm not fucking around like i'm being completely serious right now you have to go kill that owl yeah yeah there's no way you're going to let that thing just lay there all night and slowly die in pain. Like, you have to go kill it. And he's, he is, like, on the verge of tears. He's freaking out. And he's like, you know what? You're right. Like, like it's just – it's better if we kill it. And, like, and like it is. Like, just kill it. It's going to die. Just just kill it. So he doesn't know how to kill it. And he's like, do I run it over again? I was like, no, 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 no. no. And I was like, Jesus I was like, just go, like, stab it or something. Just go kill oh, it. Oh, my God. Like, no, what the hell? Get over with. 
what else we're gonna kill it with bro we're it's the middle of the night we're like 19 years old like all right i'm sorry but if my my choices were stabbing it or running it over dude at least when you run it over you don't have to see yourself do it like if you're stabbing like bro that's his grandmother like a spirit animal you can't just ask a man to well stab well like, matt thought the stabbing was a good idea so he traps like like you know those like swiss army pocket knives you get when you're like nine years old and it's like literally this big this man shivved a great <laughs> horned owl. Out. Listen, listen, he takes it out, and he's, like, sobbing, walking over there. We're probably, like, 20 yards away. So me and Casey are just at the car. Like, we're still in shock. We're like, there's no way this just happened. Like, if we go to tell people about this, they're never going to believe us. Like, this is just, like, ridiculous. They're going to think we just maliciously ran over an owl. <laughs> and Matt's walking over there, and he's so sad, but he knows he has to kill it. And just as Matt gets the owl, like, like we're on the grass on the side of the road. So he walks all the way on the grass. As soon as he's about to step foot in the road, a fucking semi-truck comes and flattens the owl <laughs> right in front of Matt. Oh, no. He comes back to the car, literally <laughs> crying. And me and Casey look at him. We're like, well, at least you don't have to kill it yourself. Let's go. Get back in the car and leave. Oh, my God. God. Dude, it was one of the wildest, and I completely forgot that this happened. Like it left my brain. But um, I saw a, a TikTok this morning of Theo Vaughn talking about how he him in Louisiana they used to eat owls, and oh it just like triggered like a, a deep subconscious memory for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to call Matt. And I oh called Matt God. and talked to him. But yeah, nothing to do with sports, guys. More of the story: owls are not as smart as we perceive them to be as humans. Um, and speaking of owls, though, FAU owls on a 19 game winning streak, 20 and one right now. Hell yeah. Ranked in the top 25, just had their first ever home game while ranked, sold out student attendance record. I think they had like 3,500 people there. Packed the borough, super awesome. But yeah, let's get back. I will say this. Yeah, I'm going to put some smiles on y'all's faces. Um, one of three things. Number one, I feel like Matt would be the type of guy to know all species of owls. So I feel like when he hit it, he was probably like, oh my God, this isn't a barn owl. This is like a great horned owl. Or number two, Matt definitely lost any chance he had if Hogwarts was real because he just murdered like probably like the carrier pigeon for like all owls for Hogwarts. So you're fucked. Um, and number three, if FAU men's basketball does lose because of your dead owl story. We may have some correlate, like correlation between. Yeah, we might need to, we might need to take down this pod. Yeah, so we're just gonna keep that in mind on back burner. So, uh, I will give Matt his credit though. He did not like run over the owl. I'm telling you, dude, this motherfucker was following the car, and the first second it got just dropped. It might have been depressed. Matt Matt's theory is that. Its loved one died, and it knew it had to take its own life out. That's what Matt's theory is. I think it was just a dumb as fuck owl, personally. But either way, it died, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna move on. So yeah, maybe Zach, uh, maybe suicidal owls are are real. Maybe maybe we just don't know. But yeah, so we're gonna, we're gonna uh, move on from that. We're gonna start off with our Sunday slate, which is actually our only slate. It's actually super sad to uh, to say that. See, like, it's the best time of the year, dude, because we get, like, the best fucking football, but then it's done, you know? And yeah. it's just, like, this is when I, like, I like plug in my PS3 and start up another NCAA dynasty because if I can't watch football, I might as well play some, you know? Yeah. 
Um, yes, we're starting us off with the NFC Championship. I mean, both of these games, dude, have the potential to be fucking amazing. I, 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 who was I talking to the other day? I was talking to someone the other day. I think it was one of the coaches I coached with at, at wrestling, and they were like, dude, at championship games, like conference championship games, are better than the Super Bowl. And I think, honestly, I kind of think that's true. The Super Bowl recently has been a lot of blowouts and like a lot of not that much fun to watch. Um, I mean, last year's was good, but I, I kind of think, I kind of believe that. You know, the, the, the want to get there is so great that these games are just fucking amazing. Um, but, yeah, let's, let's dive in with our first game with the 49ers. <clears throat> excuse me, NFC Championship, Sunday at 3 p.m. on Fox. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers coming in at 13-4, and four, traveling across the country to play the Philadelphia Eagles, who are coming in at 14-3 and three in Philadelphia. This game is, like I said, 3, three o'clock on Fox, and it is Philly minus two-and-a-half favorites. Third game, uh, third away game for Brock Purdy. But as me and Zach were talking about before the pod, I think this is the scariest away game he's played in. I mean, he went to Seattle. I understand Seattle's fans are like crazy. I don't think they were that crazy this year. And he went to Vegas for the Raiders, who I also don't think their fans are that crazy. Um, also, both those teams suck. And what what's the max travel he did? Maybe four hours? You know, he, he didn't travel that far. Now he's going – from where it's sunshine and pretty in San Fran all the way across the country to go play in the fucking shithole that is Philadelphia. And I say that in the nicest loving way because they embrace it. And that is what he's going to get when he plays in this game. He's going to get the entity and the energy of fucking drunk, pissed off Philadelphians. That's all I got to say for right now, Zach, I'm going to let you carry the boats on this one and start us off. Yeah. So one of the things I want to talk about, specifically about the 49ers um i've been very adamant about i guess uplifting their defensive accomplishments talking about their strengths in that regard you know they've done a great job of keeping their interior core throughout the years you know in years past they've had patrick willis and navarro bowman now they have um why are their names escaping right now fred warner and um coming i believe yeah. as bosa no bosa is the lineman i'm thinking of they're the two middle linebackers, but Fred Warner as well. Um, the other guy whose name slipped in my mind, but regardless, they have great uh, middle linebacker core. They always have. They'd be like, they feel like the middle linebacker is the quarterback of the defense, and rightfully so. They're always making big plays. So shout out them. It's uh, Greenlaw. Greenlaw. There he is. Excuse me. Yeah, Fred Warner and um, <clears throat> excuse me, Dre Greenlaw from Arkansas. Yeah. So both amazing players, but one of the things I think. They also uh, have an FAU boy in Aziz Al Shair. Shout out. Yeah, Al Shair. Yeah, he was on my. Uh, it's funny you bring up NCAA dynasties. The main reason I always figure out about pro guys late is because yeah, I realized like they played with them in the dynasty game. Yeah, I play with them, and I'm like, yo, I'm like, holy fuck, like that guy was real. Like I thought it was just a generated yeah. name, but regardless, one of the weaknesses of the 49ers that I think gets overshadowed by just how good their linebackers and D line is. Um, and just because their pass rush is so great is I think their secondary is a bit susceptible to getting exposed. I just feel like they haven't been overly exposed by great talent. You know, against the Seahawks, we saw how well Decaf did against them. You know, I think he had over 100 yards in the first half. Um, when, the, when they played the Raiders away, you know, Jarrett Stidham and Devontae Adams hooked up for over 100 yards easily. Stidham threw for like over like 400 yards or damn near. So he played extremely well there. So if they're going on the road against an Eagles team who ranks as the third overall offense in the NFL, what do you think Jalen Hurts is going to do with his squad? You know, um, 
I think Hertz has developed extremely well as a passer as well. And if there's any way that you can avoid uh, a 49ers pass rush, pass rush that's led by Nick Bosa, it's you got to be mobile. You got to be able to get out of the pocket and have some getaway speed to get away from him. And I think Jalen Hurts is the guy for that. You know, he can make those kind of plays. He can make plays outside of the pocket, throw on the run. He's got it all. He's got Devontae Smith. He's got Dallas Goddard. He's got A.J. Brown. He's got the weapons to make it happen. So I really think the Eagles are going to be able to take care of him in that regard. You know, you brought up Brock Purdy's troubles uh, when traveling away. And like you said, traveling is not easy. When you have to go that far across the country, it's a big environment. It's a tough atmosphere to play in, especially in Philly. It's not going to be a fun time for him. And, you know, I think I saw like a four-minute or five-minute highlight reel today of interceptable passes that he's thrown that just haven't yeah, been picked. On, I saw that on Twitter as well. Yeah. Um, Eagles defense plays really aggressive. You know, we talked a lot about how Darius Slay has stepped up extremely well this year. You know, um, C.J. Gardner-Johnson stepped up extremely well this year. The Eagles defense knows how to fly around the ball. And their pass rush is very good as well. Very good. Now, I'll give Brock Purdy his credit. You know, one thing he's done extremely well this year is be mobile outside of the pocket and keep his eyes downfield. You know, they say a lot of times with young quarterbacks is the moment that they go to escape the pocket, their eyes immediately go to what's around them. And they have a hard time diagnosing what's developing down the field. But I think he does a great job of, you know, maintaining his composure and diagnosing what's happening around him. So I'll give him his respects in that regard. But I still think he's going to make too many rookie mistakes in this game. And that's why I'm riding with uh, – you know, I'll buy the half. Give me Eagles minus three. Give me the teaser. Yeah, I um <clears throat> you're wait, minus not minus two. I'm gonna buy that. No, I'm gonna buy the half the other way. Like I'm gonna take the teaser minus three. Damn. I think yeah. those odds are gonna be better. Yep. I wanna say one thing before I go in and start um <clears throat> bad mouthing. One thing Brock Purdy Brock Purdy's done a lot of great things. Like, yeah, he's a rookie. He was not supposed to be in the situation he's in right now, you know? So for someone that got thrown into the fire, like he did, he's doing a very good job at maintaining and, and keeping his cool and doing everything. One thing I think that he's doing extremely well that's helping with his success, obviously, listen, Zach, he has one of the best offenses around him and one of the best offensive-minded guys in Kyle Shanahan around him as well. But he plays his role. He's not trying to be the face of the offense. And I think one thing that hurts a lot of rookie quarterbacks is they try to do too much. They try to be that guy, and he's not. He's embracing the look. I, I understand I'm not the best guy on the field. I understand it's not. So he doesn't put himself in do-or-die situations. He lets his veteran guys and Debo and, and Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle, you know, and those guys, he lets them make those big plays, which is what good quarterbacks do. That's what Tom Brady does. That's what good guys do. You know, they when the times is stressed, they give it into the, who they think is the best person's hands. The thing I will say, though, this game to me is going to be like a Rocky Balboa game for Brock Purdy. This is going to be the first game where he's going to get literally punched in the fucking mouth. Like, talk about – I don't think – I mean, I, I might be wrong, but I, to my knowledge, I think this is the most physical team he has played in his NFL career. Not, not, not best, but physical for sure. Like, like, Philadelphia's defense is very nasty. You know, their cornerbacks are locked down. Their D-line will get to you. Their linebackers will hit you. Like, they are – the physicality, as I was saying, of this Eagles defense is what's going to be a big thing for me. I think we're going to see if – I don't think we're going to see as much as <clears throat> skill tested in this game, Zach. I think we're going to see more grit tested from Brock Purdy and how he's going to be able to be the youngest guy on the offense but still have to be somewhat of a leader, if that makes sense. Because he's going to get hit a lot, and he's going to get a lot of three-and-out drives. He's going to get tested a lot. 
this isn't going to be a game where they go up 28 to zero on the Bucks at halftime. You know, this is going to be a game where every single fucking drive is going to be the hardest drive of his life. And I think that's what creates champions. And I don't have anything against Brock Purdy. I just don't think his time is there yet. Do I think he could win a Super Bowl eventually? Absolutely. I'm not shitting on him. I just want to go back to what I was saying is he was not supposed to be here right now. He got thrown into the fire, you know? So I think these are both extremely good defenses. And you talk about the linebacker play of Warner and uh, Greenlaw. They're going to do a very good job at containing Jalen Hurts, I believe. I really do. But I do think people just somehow forget that Jalen Hurts also has a nuke of an arm as well. And I think that with the arsenal of offense they have, and like we stated against the Giants, how they have every single fucking person touch the ball. You never know where it's going. I think with the the the, the short drives that are going to happen with the 49ers offense, I think that you could see in the second half the defense start to wear out. And I think you can see the Eagles start to carry off. Now, I also think this is kind of like what we talked about last week with the Cowboys and the 49ers. Listen, the 49ers have amazing offense. They have veterans at wide receivers. They have veterans at tight end. They have a veteran running back. Their O-line is very well played. I mean, Trent Williams, <clears throat> that's, the, that's their tackle, right, Trent Williams? Who? Trent, Trent Williams? Williams? Yeah, left tackle. Yeah. He yeah. literally put Mika Parson on skates a whole game. Like, he is yeah. extremely talented. No, he's all pro for a reason. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're, they're very good. I just don't think they can hang for full quarters with the Eagles. Now, stating this, it depends which 49ers team shows up. I mean, if we get the 49ers that have been playing in the playoffs recently, it's going to be a fucking good game. You know, or like the 49ers that played the Bucks, it's going to be a good game. But if we get the 49ers that played the Raiders and Seahawks, the Eagles are going to have a fucking – they're going to have a highlight real day in my opinion. Yeah. Um, just to kind of build off that, I do think the 49ers have played good – but not good enough in terms of playoff football. I think they've gotten past teams that they were um, on paper a lot better than. I thought they should have outclassed them. I thought they should have put games away a lot earlier. You know, against the Seahawks, it shouldn't have even been tied at halftime. Obviously, they pulled away in the second half, but that's what better teams do. You know, great game plans can keep you in games, but better teams win games outright. That's just how it is. You know, their game last week, I thought it was a little too close for comfort. I thought Dallas had been frauds. You know, they only had, like, what, one offensive touchdown? Yeah. Yeah, so that if you want to score one offensive touchdown next or this coming weekend, by all means, go ahead. You will not, you be will not win the game. Yeah, you will not, yeah, you will not be playing. You will not be playing in the <laughs> Super Bowl. And even if you do get past the Eagles, the Bengals and the Chiefs do not pose any lighter of a challenge. So, by all means – if you need to win, if you are going to win this game, you need to find something within yourself as a team, as an identity, and realize what your strengths lie in, realize what your weaknesses are, and try to improve on them or at least hide them as much as possible. Because, like we said, the closer we get to the Super Bowl, the least frauds remain. And right now, my fraud alert is keying in on these 49ers, man. I just feel like Brock Purdy's got his fraud report ready. Now, I know it's unfair to say, oh, well, He's a rookie quarterback. You can't really do that to the guy. Look, their expectation is to win the Super Bowl. I've said this for the past couple of weeks. If you want to be deemed as a Super Bowl team, you got to have a Super Bowl leading quarterback. And that goes for anyone, rookies included. No, I understand that. And it, it comes to <clears throat> you don't wait for the opportunity. Sometimes opportunities come knocking. And it's who you are when the opportunity presents itself. Yes, exactly. Brock Purdy was not dealt the most, I guess, fair, you could say, <clears throat> hand card, card, hands of cards, hand of cards. I don't know. But – 
But at the same time, you think he didn't want this? Yeah. You think they were like, yo, Brock, you have the opportunity to win a Super Bowl as a rookie, but, you know, do you want to wait a little? No, like he wants this. And, Brock, listen, we we don't dislike Brock Purdy at all. I don't dislike him. Actually, I kind of fucking love him. His story is phenomenal, okay? And what he did with Matt Campbell at um at Iowa State and how he had no offers. Like, I, I like Brock Purdy. I'm just speaking on how I see it. We're watching a rookie quarterback versus the MVP. You know, that's that's what this game is. The other thing, um, Zach, and I, I'm going to speak on the benefit of the 49ers. If there's one man that can disguise the offense and move the ball around and 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 keep the offense alive and give sparks against this Philadelphia defense, it's Kyle Shanahan. You know, he's mm. got he's got the brains to do it. I mean, like you you made a great remark the other day. Like he's so good that it shows how good Mike McDaniel's is because of his learning and his teaching through Shanahan as well. I just I think the 49ers are a year too early. I think I think they're a year they're a year early based on you know playing some pretty shitty teams in the second half of their schedule and um, you know just kind of getting good luck and good rhythm, you know getting McCaffrey's obviously fucking huge, um, but I think they're just a little too early. I think the Eagles have been having this cooking, you know they've been having this they've been having this brewing, and I just I think this is Jalen Hurts like like villain origin story, you know like mm. they doubted me in college. I didn't win a Heisman. I didn't. Win, I mean, he won a Natty, but like, they always shit on me, and now I keep doing greatness, and they keep shitting on me. You know. Yeah. It's hard. It's it's really hard not to like Jalen Hurts. It is, and I saw I saw a tweet today too that was like, it was a um, it was a, a I want to say it was it was, a, it was a black journalist that covers a Philadelphia newspaper. I don't remember. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head which newspaper, but he was kind of upset because he was like. Jalen Hurts, his father is a football coach. He was his high school football coach. And he coached him his whole life. And he's been there in his whole life. And he's been really good to Jalen Hurts. And they're like, why hasn't this been covered in the media? And they were like, if Jalen Hurts' dad was in jail for 10 years, it'd be all over the media. It'd be in every commercial and every hype up for the game. It's like, why don't we ever promote fathers that are in their child's lives and helping them become successful? We only bait at negative things. And I think that's completely true, Zach. I think that's a very true statement in sports and in, in, in media in general, but yeah, sports media as well. If his dad was in jail or his dad was killed, you'd hear about this every second of the day going into games. But since his dad was supportive and a good father who helped create him, you don't hear about him at all, you know? And, and I do think, I mean, sorry, I know I'm going on a little tangent right now, but I mean, I feel like that's, that's definitely a thing that happens in sports and in media in general. Yeah. I feel like, especially in today's society, society, we thrive a lot off of negativity, you know, like, it's kind of hard to like create stories out of like positivity, like people don't really thrive off of it or they don't gain as much out of it. And it's kind of sad because, you know, people nowadays, especially they only want to like uplift their own ego or find ways to like belittle others in order to raise their own standings, whether would it be in their personal circle and life, however they want to deem themselves in a more positive view. And I feel like the only way we've been teaching people to do that is by undermining others efforts. And I feel like it's, not the way we should be inspiring the youth like Jalen Hurts is a great story through and through you know very passionate man compassionate football player teammate charitable as well charitable he does everything the right way everything that you ask him to you know he goes above and beyond in all regards as well you know as much as you could ask out of the guy he's going to go above and beyond in any aspect and that's just the kind of person he is you know he's very humble um in victory and defeat you you, no matter what he's always going to have a level head on his shoulders. And that's just the kind of person that should inspire. 
but I think that also speaks to the type of character he is. You know, he's not going to go out there and complain about why isn't like the people in his life getting recognition or why am I not getting recognition for this? You know, he's just going to like, like they always say, nose to the grindstone. He's always just going to put his head down and keep working despite whether people recognize it or not. Because at the end of the day, it's not really about uh, what others think of you and what people like what, whether you want people to recognize you for your accomplishment or not, obviously it feels good to get a pack, pat on the back once in a while, but it's not always guaranteed. You know, you got to do it for yourself at the end of the day. And I think he's the epitome of that. And he just always strives for something, not only to better himself, but strives for something more outside of himself. Yeah, dude. And I can go on <clears throat> a tangent on how many amazing things I've seen from Jalen Hurts. I mean, we talked about near the backpack story where that kid, bought a backpack there's mom his mom gave a backpack for school and on it it said Jalen and it's Jalen number number one or Jalen number two whatever number he was at the time and everyone at school was like your name's not Jalen he's like yeah my favorite football player is Jalen Hurts and then Jalen Hurts saw that tweet you know what he did he bought the same backpack and then put that kid's name on it and he goes yeah and everyone thinks like that's just you, you don't get anything out of that except making a kid's day come true you know like like that's just being a wholesome person you know, and then you see the story of when Tua beat him out, you know, the first thing he did was he gave, ran over to Tua and gave him a hug. He's like, I'm so proud of you. He's like, this was never between me and Tua. He goes, he just shined when it was his time to shine, and I left. And I saw an interview the other day, and he was like, they were asking him about that. And he goes, he goes, we needed to do whatever it took to win a championship. And he goes, and that day I became a man, and I realized I got to do whatever it takes to become a better Jalen Hurts. He never blames nobody. He doesn't blame Saban. He doesn't blame Tua. He doesn't blame anybody ever. And it's just like, how the hell do you not love this man, dude? And another person <clears throat> I want to give a shout out to like this is, is Trevor Lawrence. Same shit, dude. He gets thrown into the fire with Urban Meyer. He, get, he gets all this shit and hate. and He never bitches and complains. And my dad showed me a video yesterday. of After they lost, he hugged and high-fived and shook hands with every single person on the roster before they went to the locker room. We'll be back. Thank you. We'll be back. Thank you. We'll be back. Thank you. You know, keeping a head up, especially as a young kid like that, I mean, I mean, Jalen's young too. He's what third year in the NFL. Like they're both super young. It's just, it's really cool to see guys like that winning. And like you said, Zach, we don't hear about them because it's positivity and people hate positivity for some fucking reason. But I mean, just shout out to Jalen Hurts. Shout out to Trevor Lawrence. Shout out to all the good guys that are doing it because of what's inside of them and not because of cameras, you know, shout out to them. But yeah. going back to this game, sorry, I know we went on a little off script. Um, I, I just think that I think the Eagles are a team that have been ready for this. Um, like I said, I really think it comes down to which 49ers team shows up. But I think the Eagles are uh, – I think the Eagles are going to take this one. Give me the Eagles. I'm going to buy the half in the opposite direction. Give me the Eagles minus two. Yep, fair enough. Our next in game, our, our night game, which is a game that's going to be incredibly interesting, the AFC Championship Sunday, same day, obviously. 6.30 p.m. on CBS between the Cincinnati Bengals coming in at 12-4, and four, traveling to Kansas City, Missouri, slash Kansas. It's, like, on the line. It's, like, um, Chiefs 14-3. and three. Chiefs are a minus one favorite. I mean, two th quick things I got to say before Zach jumps in. First of all, Patty Mahomes' ankle seems to look good. You know, he's padded up in practice, did practice all week. You know, people were freaking filming his walking after press conferences. It looks good, you know, and Taylor Lewan and Bustle with the boys stated, like, if they were actually concerned, or excuse me, Pat, or excuse me, Pat McAfee on the Pat McAfee show stated, if they were actually concerned, it was to a point where he was, they were scared, they would never let him dress in practice. They would just sit him on the side. Yeah. So, obviously, that's a good sign for them. 
And the other thing I got to say, and I know we talked about it last pod, but I, I got to bring it up again because it's just so fucking cold, is Joe Burrow telling the reporters, yo, everyone that bought their tickets to the neutral site game, you need to get your refunds. Send the refunds. But yeah, Zach, Send. I'll let you uh, start us off with this Chiefs-Bengals matchup. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of just a repeat of last year. You know, we know what we're getting out of these two guys. Um, Bengals, I think, are a little more improved. You know, they've got the they got the taste of it. Like, they made it to the big game and then lost. And I feel like when it when that happens to a young team, especially a young quarterback like Joe Burrow, the taste of defeat when you're that close almost inspires you. Like, it almost helps you more losing that game than it does if you were to win it. Because, like, obviously, it's always good winning it. But, like, for yourself to know the amount of work it takes to not only get there, but now you know you need to put more in in order to win. You know, that'll only inspire you more. And what better team to go up against than the ultimate test to get to the Super Bowl than the Kansas City Chiefs? You know, Chiefs are sitting out 14 and three, I believe. Yeah, 14 yeah. and three. Yeah, 14 and three, led by one of the greatest coaches in the league, offensive minded guru, one of the best quarterbacks and tight ends on one squad. One of the best you coaches. Know, yeah, that's what I said with Andy Reid. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, that's a tough task to face, but guess what? You're 3 0 against them. Never lost. Ne- never tasted defeat against these guys. You have their number. It's so easy. All you have to do is do it again. You have no, there's no pressure on you. You're going into their home. They have I mean, to I mean it, it's it's still pressure, Zach. Like you're playing in the fucking AFC championship. Not nah, pressure doesn't exist. Not for these guys. There's you pressure is what you make of it, you know. And I I feel like in this scenario, you know, Joe Burrow is one of probably the most cool, calm and collected quarterbacks I've seen. You know, I've never seen him get rattled or like He's eyes so wide. He just so composed. Yeah, just knows what to do at all times. And you know, I I was saying this the other day because I may have had too much to drink watching the games, but after the Bengals won, I was standing there and I was like, you know, when America fights all their wars, we never fight it on our home turf. And I was like, we don't lose many wars. So, you know, the Bengals, they're going to war and it ain't on their home turf. So. That's kind of hard. Yeah. That so, is kind of hard. I yeah. also think – um you know, one factor everyone keeps talking about is like, well, you know, Kansas City is the loudest stadium. Bro, this dude played in the SEC. He played in way bigger stadiums. I mean, what what's the what's the Chiefs max capacity? Okay, no, no, no. 70, I will say 72,000. Dude, he played at Texas A&M. He played at Alabama. He played in fucking LSU every single week. That's 100,000. But I will say this. 100,000 drunk college kids, dude. I will say this. The Chiefs do have the world record, the Guinness Book of World Records for the loudest outdoor stadium of all time. In the NFL. No. World. They've had the loudest decibel. They shat they shattered a window in the stadium from screaming so loud. It's just the way their stadium is built, it's built to like amplify noise, which I think is fucking hard because whoever designed the stadium was like, we're gonna give ourselves a home field advantage. I mean, even the Seattle uh Seahawks celebrated so hard during Beast Modes, uh run that they registered on the Richter scale, which means they thought there was seismic activity occurring. If you don't know what that means, it means they thought there was a fucking earthquake. They were cheering so hard. So if you think that goes hard, Kansas city just cheers their ass off. By the way, they 100% stole the Tomahawk chant from Florida yes. state. Yes. Want to get that out of the way. That's the only reason I cannot support them or the Atlanta Braves is because realize where you got it from you beta ass females. 
bitches, excuse me, call you what you are. Um, regardless, though, I, I'm just still riding with the Bengals. Like, Joe Burrow is that guy. He yeah, will I, always I feel be like that Joe guy. Bur- Joe Burrow is going to go out there and he's just going to be standing there and he's going to he's gonna take, like, he's, you're going to get a delay of game first offensive play because he's going to stand out there like this and the sound <laughs> is going to charge him up. And you're going to see him and he's going to, and he's gonna fully charge, and his eyes are gonna awaken. It's gonna be like blue eyes, like fucking Game of Thrones. <laughs> and he's just gonna be like, "All right, we're ready." And then like they're gonna keep getting louder, and he's gonna keep getting better. And they, well, the fourth quarter is gonna be dead silent because they're like, you know, he's just fucking feeding off of us. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie uh, "For the Love of the Game" with Christian Ladner. I think it is, but uh, the the like the documentary. No, no, no. It's a movie with Christian uh, Leitner from Duke. No, no, not Christian Leitner. Oh, what's his name? What's his name? Christian Leitner. Holy fuck. I was like, what? No, who's the guy? Oh my God. I'm going to look it up right now. I'm going to laugh so fucking hard when I get his name because this is going to kill me for the love of the game. Anyway, it's about a Detroit pitcher. It's not based on a true story. It's just a just a baseball movie and it's fucking uh, fire. Um, for love of the game. Kevin Costner. <laughs> He's a Christian Leitner. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> I don't know why. No I, don't, I don't know. I don't I I just thought like, you know, what's the most normal white guy name you could have ever thought of? And I guess Christian Leitner just came oh in my, my head. God, I don't know. Funny. Kevin Cost. They're not even I couldn't name one. <laughs> <laughs> Holy oh. shit. That might that may be that may be um wow, we just have a whole reel of bloopers for you guys today. Um, yeah, just wait for that to drop. But anyway, movie got fucking terrible ratings apparently on Rotten Tomatoes. This movie said at like a forty percent, but I fucking loved it. Anyway, regardless, back to the point at hand. In the movie, he has this like ability where like every time he's about to throw a pitch, he just says to himself, "He goes clear the mechanism," and he just he's transported back to like a farm, like a, just an open field, and it's just him by himself on the mound and the catcher. And there's no one else there. It's That's just so sick. That's tunnel like, vision out the ass. No, and it's like the best example of tunnel vision because the way it goes is like when he closes his eyes, he isn't like immediately to the form. What it does is like the crowd like goes down to it's silent and then he closes his eyes and when he opens it, the crowd's no longer there and then he does it again and then the seats aren't there and then the stadium isn't there and then the batter isn't there and it's just the catcher. That's literally Joe Burrow, except for Joe Burrow, it's the crowd goes away the stadium goes away, the defense goes away, and then he just sees Jamar Chase. And he's just yeah. like, all right. <laughs> Every player on the field goes away with Jamar. Jamar Chase. He just, and they make, like, passionate eye contact, and he just, like, winks at him. And he's like, Joe yeah. Joe blows him a kiss. He's like, hey, he's Jamar, like, all what right. the fuck are you doing, bro? He's like, dog, if you don't fucking stop with this shit right now, he's like, just throw me the go route. He's like, all right, bet. Uh, dude, yeah, Joe Burrow is, is, is so cold. I mean, he's like Chael Sonnen in NFL cold with his shit talking and stuff, too. Yeah, except Joe Burrow actually has never lost. Like, yeah. really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what are you saying about Chael? Yeah, yo, Chael, love you to death, dog. Um, you definitely would take my ass in a fight along with five clones of me, probably. you probably take ten clones of Zach Watts, if we're being honest. Um, but, yeah, we're just not going to – we're just not going to summon Chael. Yeah. Really his name too many times. You turn around, Chael's just behind you. You're like, oh, my God. <laughs> just like Zach Torrey. Um, another thing I want to talk about though is I was talking to uh, Blake Hawk and he was like, "You think you know if if Patty doesn't play, that the Bengals just route them?" I think regardless, the Bengals win. I don't think the the point differential changes if Patty plays or not. In my opinion, I think no. Nah, listen, not to a significant amount. Chad Henney 
first of all, goat. But they're gonna. You don't <laughs> yeah. think Andy Reid's genius mind isn't gonna change the offense and game plan and stuff? They have enough weapons. They have enough. <clears throat> excuse me. They have enough weapons to make it happen. That if Chad Hetty plays, they can work around it. Also, dude, no one gives this defense enough credit. The the Chiefs defense is not bad at all, at all. You know they've done a very good job at handling games, especially at home. Um, I I want to see what the over under is because I feel like it's it could be very high scoring. Over under forty seven and a half. Mm. What's the weather gonna be like? I mean, both teams won their last five. We're looking at 35 degrees. Well, I don't know, Zach. I don't know. Um, what is it? Bangle. It's it's Kansas City minus one. Give me Bengals money line. Give me Bengals money line. Yeah, I was gonna go with Bengals money line as well. Yeah. It seems like an easy pick. Almost too easy. But yeah, I mean. These I do think it's going to be a great game. I don't think the Bengals are going to go out, go in there and route them. No one's I, I, I don't think it's going to yeah. be like the Bengals-Bills. I don't think it'll be like that at all. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Um, let me just verify all Joe Burrow's games against. I think their last game they won by not Three. even a touchdown. It was, no, it was a game-winning field goal by Evan McPherson in the AFC Championship. Yeah, 27. No, no, no. They, this year, too, 27-24. They so, won on Sunday, December 4th, 27-24 at, at, at the Bengals. Chiefs won this year, 27-24? No, the Bengals won 27-24 at home. Yeah, and then in the playoffs, they won 27-24 as well. Pretty sure. Um, yeah, so Joe Burrow is the only quarterback to beat Mahomes three straight times. Let me check. I do think it's cool, though, um, you know, the caliber of quarterbacks. I mean, yeah, Brock Purdy is still young. But, I mean, dude, we, the great quarterback play we get to see between – I'm going to even say Purdy, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, and Patty Mahomes. It's like – it's just great fucking football, dude. Like, there's just no bullshit and there's no – like, these are four teams that I think everyone in America consensus agrees deserve to be here. There's no – they got lucky or bad calls. Like these, this is the first time I can remember for a while, Zach, where it's like four teams are in the championship games where you're like, yep, these are the teams that need to, that were supposed to be there. Yeah. I also think this goes back to the issue with college. It's like people are like, oh, like the whole point of the playoffs is like it was supposed to be the best four teams to get in. And it's like, no, that is not why we made the playoffs. It is not the best four teams. It is the four most deserving teams they get in. Yes. I could argue with you all day about how Alabama was probably just as good as that Georgia team, or at least would have put up a better fight than TCU did. But TCU rightfully deserved to be in it. And they beat Michigan in the semifinal game and deserved to be in the final. They just happened to run into a legit juggernaut and Kirby Smart's team and get smacked out of the universe. Like it just happens. Like same reason Seahawks played great this year, deservingly made a playoff game, happened to play the 49ers, got dog walked. Yeah, that's what I hate too. And then it's like, well, the SEC is harder, this and that. Like, dude, that's you, you, when you're a football program, you play the cards you are dealt. And part of that is luck. And that sucks, but it is what it is. That's how it works, dude. Don't be mad at a team for doing what they were supposed to do, regardless if you like them or not. What pisses but, me off more 
I'll, no, I'll let you finish first. Uh, I, I forgot what I was going to say. Anyways. Yeah, I was I was just saying what pissed me off more is they're like, yeah, but they shouldn't even be in the game. I'm like, all right, bro, you want us to just like not play football at all and just give you the show for every year since apparently you want to suck so, your yeah, own dick no, so bad. Someone, someone on, on Twitter was like, so did we just not play the season and then whoever's the top four preseason SEC teams just play in the playoffs? Yeah. Like, like, what's the point of even having games? Yeah, like what the fuck do you want, dude? Like shut up. Like your points are relevant. Like, yeah, sure. If you just want to talk shit for the aspect of talking shit, that's fine. But don't go on a platform and talk about how like other teams don't deserve shots or like that you're not as good as they are. Like, bro, if you're that mad, go to another conference, dominate that conference, and then go win. Oh, you want to be stuck in the SEC as a mid-tier team? By all means, go for it. No one's stop no one's stopping you. Oh, you're locked into a million dollar contract. Maybe uh don't be greedy. I don't know. Not me. Yeah, maybe uh, don't talk shit about how every conference sucks and then you're in the hardest one and you feel better and then when you get fucked because of how much harder it is, you try to shit on everyone else. Yeah, yeah. But, you know. Um, overall, just... speaking of that, Zach, I have a weird question for you. Yes. Overall, overall, counting all the teams, just this season alone, which conference do you believe was by depth better at football, the AFC or NFC? I'm going to say the AFC. Um, and if you look at it, let's just match up the conferences. When I look at the NFC West versus the AFC West, the NFC West features the Rams. Well, I can just tell you, I have it all pulled up. So, so I'll do the top two teams from the divisions. So if we do NFC West versus AFC West. Your top two teams in the NFC are 49ers and Seahawks. Your top two teams in the AFC West are Kansas City and, and Chargers. Easily clear. Yeah. Then if you look at NFC South, I mean, I think I don't even think we have to say this. Don't even, don't even, don't even say it. They don't, even have, they don't have one team over five hundred. They don't have yeah. one team over five hundred. It's not. I mean, those the are, AFC South also sucks ass, though. They at least Trevor Lawrence won a fucking playoff game. Yeah, the Jags at least moved on. Yeah, and then NFC North, uh, you have Minnesota and yeah. the Lions, and then you have yeah. Cincinnati and the Ravens. I would give the Lions over the Ravens personally. Yep. But I would not give Minnesota over the Bengals. And then I think the NFC East is the only one that you could fight is Philly and the Cowboys over Buffalo and Miami. Even Giants, too. They made the playoffs. And the Commanders were over 500, at least. So they're – I mean, literally the Commanders themselves were – Commanders were 500, but yeah. Yeah. um, Yeah, I'll give give NFC East over AFC East, but every other conference I'm I'm, I'm, I'm taking the AFC. Yeah. Which is weird because I feel like – I don't know if this is just me, but I feel like growing up the NFC was usually better. There was, like, more physical football. Yeah, I don't know, because I feel like the only reason people view it that way is because you look at the Patriots and what they did for so long. Like, dude, no one in free agency even wanted to go to any other AFC East teams because they knew they were just playing for second place. Why would you want to do that? It's the same reason why I find it hard to believe that teams want to actually go play for the Raiders or the Chargers or the Broncos because, like, do you really want to play Patty twice a year? Like, it's not going to be fucking fun. Every single fucking year. Yeah, like it is not going to be fucking fun. Like you are going to be in a dogfight if you want to get to the championship. Now, surprisingly, the AFC West is super competitive. Like I'll give them that. But when Tom Brady and Bill Belichick were up there in New England, dude, the Jets, the Bills, and the Dolphins, by the way, all their records outside of the AFC East were amazing. They were over 500 in every guard. The only problem is they could never beat the Patriots. You were guaranteeing two losses on your record every single time you played them. And the Patriots were guaranteeing themselves eight wins. So the only time they were losing was to probably their counter, like when they would go play the NFC games, just because they hadn't played them so often, they were able to lose to game plans that they hadn't seen 
that much. And that's usually how they ended up losing well, games. Also, when it's like when it's just a one game series and like it doesn't really matter. I mean, it matters, but it doesn't matter to the same extent. It, it's mm-hmm. way easier for it to be a coin toss than when it's a regular season game that you play year in and year out. Yeah. Cause I think I think where we get misconstrued is like we look at the more competitive conferences and we think those are better, but I don't think that's the case. I think the like the top one, two teams are better on one side and it makes the rest of the competition look worse for that conference. Whereas the other conference is a lot more competitive teams and they kind of dogfight it out the whole year. And that way you think those teams are better, but then usually the Super Bowl gives you the telltale sign of who really was the better side, obviously because they only have one representative. So it's hard to tell gauge based on everyone. So you have to use record, but I mean, the NFL is just so balanced overall. I mean, there's so much talent that gets drafted from the college level that ends up panning out. Like, it really does come down to good coaching. Yo, and also, like, this might sound like – I might sound stupid as shit right here, but you're going to need to work with me. Did you know the draft used to be 12 rounds? When did that change? That I don't know, but Tom Brady was drafted in the 12th round. My dad my dad was telling me – we, we uh, I'm, dog, a, I'm a youth wrestling dog, coach. Dog. What? He was a six-round pick. Six-round. So then what, what year was it that they stopped at the 12th round? It used to be 12 rounds. That's what they told me. It used to be 12 rounds. And I was like, you really think there's that much? And my dad's like, if you count all the free agents that get signed every year, it's basically the same shit. Was this, was this a lack? Was this misinformation I was told? No, no, you're right. You're right. Because I'm reading it right now. The NFL draft is one unified league eventually reduced the number of rounds to 12. Uh, the fierce competition is on one overall. Um, let me see when they, yeah, let me control F. Like how fucking nuts would that be? 12, dude, I don't even think I could watch 12 rounds on TV. So in 1970, they reduced it to 12 rounds and then how many? So there was more than 12. Apparently, apparently they just did it like the war. They were just like, yeah, if you're old enough, you get drafted. Yeah, we just pick every motherfucker that graduated this year. Yeah. Yeah. So that, um, that is, that is kind of crazy. Oh, wow. Holy shit. Um, so the first draft had nine rounds, and then it was increased to what 10. Year? Give me years. Give me a Okay. So the first draft was in 1936, had nine rounds. Then in 